Stick this in your ear. The number one, the number one internet shock radio network. Shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. Renegade Nation. This is Luke Giovanni show. Live from Las Vegas, Studio D. Renegade Talk Radio. The most shocking, the most offensive radio network in America. Today we have very special guest, international recording artist, Ricky Rebel. We're gonna have hey, so- what's up, Lou? Hey there, sir. So much to talk about with you. And we're gonna get right into it, right after this wonderful right. new intro. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Luke Giovanni Show. Here with Ricky Rebel, who's been patiently waiting to have a conversation. Uh, welcome, sir. Very, very, just honored, pleased, elated to have the opportunity to speak with you. I know you're a very, very busy man, so thank you very much for taking some time, sir. Well, thank you for having me here. You're welcome. You know, I think a lot of people are going to be interested in what you have to say. You're just such a fascinating man, you know, uh, and if people are not aware of who Ricky Rebel is... You know, he's the former uh, lead singer from the 90s band, uh, No Authority. I mean, he was signed by Michael Jackson. He was signed by Madonna. Toured with Britney Spears, Destiny's Child, Jessica Simpson. Worked with My, My Chemical Romance years later. I mean, Ricky, you've just, you've been all over the place. You've been in the limelight for decades. You know, you're just such a big star. Yeah. So to have you on our humble program, so pleased, wow. so amazing. Um, and, and today we're going to talk about your new album, the, uh, the Blue Album, which uh, we've been listening to pretty much all day here in uh, the Renegade Talk Radio studios. Um, so uh, I guess first off, could we talk about how this new album may be different than uh, your previous album, sir? You know, what, what, what was the motivation for, uh, for the Blue Album? Uh, the Blue Album is basically, uh, I call it the Blue Years of my life. I kind of went through a period of uh, self-reflection, and I I was in a really committed relationship, and we broke up, and it was really, it was awful, and I used music to kind of channel my energy into, and I kind of found my way out of the dark, the darkness if you will, into the light. So it's kind of like that journey from darkness into light and and kind of transforming the way we see things. Because blue, like the color itself is very enigmatic. There's lots of meanings to blue. You could be depressed. You could be, uh, the sky is blue, the ocean, every healing elements. So I wanted my record to kind of have the, the tone of the actual color itself. And I wanted to talk, and I wanted to write songs about my journey, what I've been through, like the ups and the downs, and and really, the main track on there that I wanted to talk about is "Rebel the Darkness." Uh, I learned how to use darkness as a way to, uh, as a catalyst for me to shine the light. It's basically my new thing that I want people to do when I'm performing and when I'm interacting with my fans. It's what I want. My my goal is to rebel the darkness and shine the light let yourself come out. And I think that when people hear the record or when they watch me perform, I kind of hopefully inspire people to do that. And our, our, our listeners are going to be treated to hear Rebel the Darkness and uh, a bunch of other select cuts from the Blue Album throughout this conversation. So, Ricky, now, now that we know about your new album and your motivations, you know, I want to talk about, because uh, yesterday we had a little bit of a, a pre-show conversation. You know, just, Rick, Ricky's just a lovely guy. He's very personable. You know, we can talk about anything. And, you know, I mentioned to you that there is not very much about your early life available for the public to read. 
Um, there, there's That's all, there's all types mm-hmm. of stuff about you know your career and uh, the you coming out as uh, bisexual uh, years ago and the transition for that and we'll get into all that. That's that's been pretty well documented. But you know, yeah. in terms of your early life, was your family supportive of your of your musical ambitions? Did you know that you wanted to be in music uh, at an early age? Well, I knew I wanted to do something that was. Uh, it, I said I wanted to fly. Basically, that was my first ambition, my first ever having a dream or ever having an idea of what I wanted to do. I wanted to fly. Like literally, I saw a, a gymnast on at the Olympics, and they were doing all these crazy things. And I said, "That's what I want to do. I want to be able to do all that." And so we started at a very young age, like seven years old. I started uh, doing gymnastics. And I was kind of like a natural with it, and I could do things that a lot of that the, the the coaches couldn't believe. And pretty quickly, I picked up a lot of very you know complex routines on the pommel horse and the rings and the floor, everything. And I they were literally training me to be in the Olympics, and I would train like every single day and compete and they actually placed like 13th in the state of California at like you know pretty much the height of my quote gymnastics career and and I was kind of getting burned out because if you if you know anybody who's an athlete or you know training for the Olympics it's grueling and uh it's it's scary I mean you're doing crazy flips on a high bar upside down and flipping around and grabbing the bar again and I would see a lot of my my own um, my own people I was training with like literally break bones and crack their skulls. It was just like a normal thing, you know. Yeah. And I every day I would kind of dread going to the gym, but at the same time I, I loved it and I didn't want to fly, so uh, I didn't want to flip and do all those things. I what I really loved the most actually was the floor because I felt like free and it was more like a performance it, it, I didn't know at the time that why I liked it so much but and why I excelled on the floor it's just that I knew that it was just something free as a performance rather than being graded on on you know how straight your legs are or whatever you know pointing your toes so basically my whole childhood was just a, a lot of like grading and uh, you know uh, competition so I kind of got burned out with all of that at a very young age. I, I They were like, you know, we don't want to burn out of gymnastics, so let's put them into dance class, which is a common thing for a lot of people to do. They go from gymnastics and take ballet at the same time to kind of strengthen themselves, you know, for, for gymnastics. So they put me into my first hip-hop class, and I, I loved it so much because I could express myself without the fear of being... Uh, judge you know when you're dancing and when you're performing people aren't in the audience with like scorecards telling you perfect 10 or you know (laughs) what I mean or 6.4 it was just like I got to perform and be myself and and flip around and spin and turn and and do everything so I really love the freedom of dancing and I once again I kind of uh, immersed myself in, in dance and while I was training in the studio, they had like a, a vocal coach there. And I, nobody knew I could sing. They knew I, they knew I wanted to, to be a dancer, but they didn't know I could sing. And I went to the vocal booth or whatever in her office and she played the piano. And she just like, just sing happy birthday for me. And I sang it for her and, and you know, I really good pitch. And I've had, you know, good pitch since I was a kid. My mom said I was really into like Annie, and Grease and all of these films, I would sing it with perfect pitch. So she knew I could sing, but I didn't start doing that until professionally, I started singing and dancing around like 11 years old. I started, I came out to LA and I started um, working with Marguerite Derricks in a teen company around like 15. I started working in a teen company and, and auditioning and booking like uh movie soundtracks. I was in Anastasia, which I really have. I have a funny story about Anastasia. You mentioned being signed to Michael's label, Michael Jackson. We went to his ranch and 
we were hanging out there and what was the movie that he wanted to watch and play? It was the movie that I sang on, Anastasia. It was so funny. That's we amazing. got to watch the whole film in this private little movie place and he laughed so hard at like the stupidest little things, you know? You know, that, but, um, that was I told Michael, I'm like, Michael, I'm on that soundtrack. He's like, no way. That's <laughs> awesome, Ricky. So, you know, really happy. And so basically my childhood, uh, was very, uh, lots of, like I said, lots of judgment, lots of like, you know, competition. You have to be better than so-and-so. You have to work harder. And, and now, you know, as I've gotten older, um, I've realized that art is not a competition. And that's why I'm really against going on a show like American Idol or The Voice. I've never been on any of those shows. I have been asked to come and audition, which I, you know, I, I, I've done, I met with some producers, you know, but I've never really like gone out for it because I think that when you take art and you uh, compete it with another art piece, it just kind of, it ruins the, the, the process. It's like comparing Van Gogh with um, Andy Warhol. They cannot be compared. So, and, and whether art, art is just such a, whether the art is good or not, it's just such a subjective reality. So that's what I've realized as I've gotten older. It's just like, com- just create and try not to judge it. Try not to overdo everything. Or, you know, because if you keep judging your work, you're never going to release it. So... Well, exactly. You know, Ricky, sometimes people ask me, you know, Lou, how do I get to become a writer? And I tell them the thing that you have to do is you have to sit down and you have to write. That's what you have to mm-hmm. do. You have to you have to create. You can't sit around and worry about what the creation shall be. And, you know, it's with, with creative endeavors, you know, a lot of people are self-conscious about stuff like that. Yeah. You know, and I, I just I, I don't I don't believe in enforcing criticism upon creativity anyway quite frankly i think it should just be left alone and, and be left natural but you know sometimes that's just not the way it works in this business sometimes are people are very you know we have different businesses but the the criticism and, and that type of stuff is, is very similar and some people they they can't handle it mm-hmm. so well, artists are very sensitive you know we're very sensitive people that's why we get into doing what we doing what we're doing because we have this need to express these like really hard dark, sometimes dark, sometimes sad, angry, rageful emotions. And we're, we're using art to do that and hopefully inspire other people. So when I think that a lot of artists are a lot more sensitive than they really uh, want to admit. I know Michael Jackson was a very sensitive person and phenomenal artist. So, right. and, and, and shy and very shy. You know, it's another thing too, it's like, a lot of the coolest artists are pretty freaking shy because there's, they become something else when they come on stage. And that's kind of like me, you know, that's very much like me. The person I am on stage is, is rebel, you know, it's like a full out augmented version of myself. And I feel most comfortable on stage. You know, Ricky, well, I'm in Las Vegas. I do the music magazine. I do, uh, this radio show I mean obviously you've just been in the limelight for years and years but you know when you have famous people influential people creative people people who have risen to the risen to the heights most of them just want to be treated like a normal person most of them don't want to I mean some of them have ego and rightfully so but a lot of people just want to be treated as a normal individual you know and I I, I get that sense from you as well that you know you just want to be treated as a as a human being and not as uh, some sort of object even though I mean it's pretty clear that now in your career you're pretty much uh, something of a sex symbol in the media and in uh, the music industry thank you <laughs> well, I mean you know the, you. Yeah, all, well, all I, the years of gymnastics have obviously paid off for you sir I don't think there's any dispute about right? that right and that's why I'm putting my kid when I you know when I get a kid I'm gonna put him in gymnastics it's like hardcore it's all of my discipline when it comes to my physicality and my body and all that stuff came from that first training in gymnastics so well, you know I'm I'm, very, I'm, I'm, I'm very, grateful I'm very interested in the training you know I get most of my exercise either having sex or walking from my car to the buffet <laughs> that's a that, that's about the extent for me and you know it works out because uh, you know you don't got to see my physique you just get to listen to my voice on the radio um, 
Well, I, I got more questions for you, Ricky. But uh, cool. We're we, we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna play for Renegade Nation. Uh, pretty much my favorite song, Star. Uh, we're gonna play the spec the the special uh, Hector Fonseca remix. Uh, brilliant stuff. People want to check it out on iTunes. Go ahead. Uh, great stuff. Right back. Luke Calgiovanni show here with uh, international recording artist Ricky Rebel. Yeah. You supported every accomplishment in his life. C-A-T. Cat, I can read. He's older now, but he still needs help. There were drugs and alcohol at the party. Talk with the teens in your life. And if they're in substance abuse treatment and recovery, support them. Help them achieve new accomplishments. For information and treatment referral, call 1-800-662-HELP. Station that shocks you. Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Luke Giovanni show. Here with the amazing Ricky Rebel. You're listening to Savior off of the Blue Album. If you want to check it out on iTunes, please go ahead. Great stuff. Support your artists. If there's something that you need to talk about, you know you can call on me. Savior by Ricky Rebel on the Blue Album. Great stuff. So, Ricky, we're back. Thank you for being here, sir. I want to. I want to continue on with the, the the original line of questioning. Just touch on it. Yeah. Then, then we'll move on. But uh, was your family aware of your sexuality at a young age? What was that? I mean, was your family aware of your sexuality at at a young age? I mean, were they supportive of you coming out? Uh, what, can you elaborate on that situation if if you're willing to do so? Yeah. Um my family has always been very supportive of me, my mom and my dad. I can recall certain moments where even they know I've, I have, you know, I've been upset by certain things that have happened. But like, for instance, for the most part, let me tell you, they let me do whatever I wanted. I fell in love with Madonna at a really young age. My brother was the one who gave me the cassette of uh, Like a Virgin. And I remember seeing her perform at MTV rolling on the floor and that that changed that moment changed my life I was like I want to do whatever that is I want to do that 
So my parents, you know, they, they saw me voguing as well, and they were like, wow. <laughs> and that's when they thought I could dance, because I could vogue. Um, so they've always been supportive of that. My parents are not uh, stage parents. They, they're not like Michael Jackson's, you know, dad or... Uh, you know, uh, a state. My mom's not a stage mom. They, they've always been like, if you don't want to do it at any time, just we're not going to do it. They've always done it because they've always taken me to classes and do everything because it's really what I push my parents to do for me because that's what I want. You know, it's always been that way. Uh, when it comes to sexuality, uh, it's it's kind of kind of odd. But when, there was one moment where I really wanted a gift that my aunt, my aunt is gay as well. She's gay. And she bought me this Shira castle for Christmas. It was like pink and awesome. Okay. And I remember she gave it to me and my parents saying, Oh no, you can't have that. That's a little bit too much. In other words, they didn't say it, but it was too gay, you know? And I couldn't get the Shira castle. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm going to try to get my own castle. <laughs> that's right. But, you, you, no, you'll paint it you pink if you want to. That's the one. That's the one moment I can remember. I can recall where my parents are like, "No, you can't have the Shira castle." But everything else, as far as like, if I whatever I wanted to wear, I would wear. I, I'm not like I wanted to wear dresses as a kid. I just, but I wanted to definitely express myself through fashion. I would wear like lime green shoes, and I get every day at school because I you know, wore what it is that I wanted to wear. I didn't look, didn't look like the other kids. I didn't act like the other kids in that regard. Um, but my parents fully supported that. And what's odd, what's weird about my sexuality, like the image of being bisexual, is that, yeah, I, I do feel like I am bisexual because when I was a kid, especially I, I was very romantically and sexually, emotionally attracted to women. So I would want to be with, with Cherie. I didn't want to be with Scott. I wanted <laughs> to be with Cherie. You know, I wanted to hold her hand and take her to Disneyland, the whole thing. And, um, and kiss her, et cetera. So my parents, it is kind of a, it's not like, if I had known like fully, fully like, okay, I'm, you know, I want to be with Kai's or whatever. I like, I like Tommy, you know, I would, I would have literally been up front with my parents about anything like that. But it wasn't until much later, uh, around like when I was going on tour with a boy band, really, was where I kind of was like branching out sexually and trying new things and doing all that kind of thing, experimenting and and just doing what teenagers do, right? Sure. Well, so, all those details yeah. have to be on the X-rated <laughs> version of our show. <laughs> <laughs> What, what was that? I said all those, all, all the details about that. You know, it's going to be uh, all the experimentation. I don't think we can get into that right now, particularly. Yeah. Although I would very much like to hear. <laughs> I'd love to hear all of. But all. it was funny because I had a I had a girlfriend at the time who was signed to another record label. She was in a girl group called the uh, I Five. They were like the Spice Girls from International International Five from around the world, and I was with the, the Latina girl. Her name was Gabby Keys, and we would hang out, and we just latched on each other, fell in love with each other, and people were like shocked, like holy shit, like Ricky's gay, you know, and hanging out with this hot Latina. But I genuinely loved her, fell in love with her, and she was the one who was like, "Look, it really doesn't matter who you love or who you choose to love, Ricky, and if you're gay or straight or bi, whatever, you're beautiful, just you know the way you are. That doesn't matter." You know. And that just, it resonated with me so much. And I took it on as being true. And that's what I share in my music when I tell people. I wrote a song called Straight Jacket on my first record, on Manipulator. And it literally says, it, it really doesn't matter who you choose to love. You know, you're, um, you're very fortunate, Ricky, because you've been surrounded by individuals who support you. You know, you mentioned mm-hmm. your, your teenage years uh, being the subject of something of ridicule. And, uh, but, yeah. uh, in in uh in the WTF magazine interview that uh, that uh, we put together for you because I'm the editor of WTF magazine I didn't mention that before we came on the air but uh, there is there is this very you know unfortunate quote where uh, we're, you're talking about you know your producer 
And he said, uh, your producer locked you in a sound booth and had someone come in and read the Bible to you to tell you that you're going to go to hell for being gay. You know, so... That's, ex- that's exactly what happened. Right. Yeah. That's- I was with a nasty, nasty producer. Uh, he basically abused me all the time, telling me, oh, you know, if anybody finds out that you're gay, your career's over. Uh, if only you weren't gay, you'd be so big right now. Uh, he'd say, he would embarrass me in meetings with record labels or anybody and just say, yeah, Ricky, Ricky likes to X, Y, Z with guys. And, you know, just to try to embarrass me and have nothing to do with anything. He, just, he was just totally uh, fascinated with me. Like, I think he, like, wanted to have sex with me. Indeed, you sir. Know, because indeed. indeed. He, even, he even told me, oh, we should have a threesome with my oh, wife. Yeah, oh, yeah. So he oh, obviously okay. had... I think the yeah, lady doth protest a, a wee bit too much. <laughs> he, had a, he had, like, a thing for me, and uh, actually very obsessed, because he, he loved me. He loved he loved my talent. He, he believed in me. He uh, cultivated me in a way in a certain way molded me to be more of a producer okay i'll give him credit for that because i i I learned a lot about production i learned a lot about um image and all of that but at the downside it was always just this constant like uh abuse and literally telling me you shouldn't love god god doesn't love you he you shouldn't love you shouldn't love jesus you're with he or yeah jesus christ or the Bible, they you're going to hell. And he'd bring in this guy, and the guy just like was chanting off things, locked me in a booth, and started telling me all this stuff. And and uh, it was really hurtful. But it was it's just like kind of like a microcosm actually of what I've been through throughout my whole career. My whole career has actually been about that struggle. A lot of it has been about um, well, that's too feminine. Uh, Ricky's too feminine to make it, or Ricky's too. They won't necessarily say gay. They'll just say it's too feminine of an expression. He needs to be harder. He needs to be this. He needs to be that. And, uh, or he needs to, it's like going out for commercials. Your voice is too high. Or you, you we have to give him uh, training to sound straighter. Like that's what we had to do with the boy band. They would literally put us in, in uh, media, quote, media training where they would literally teach us how to lower our voices, how to talk in a certain way so that we're perceived straight as opposed to gay, it's, which is really sad. It is. And I kind of went sad. through that. It's like... That. It, but that was the 90s, you know what I mean? That's what we went through. It's, it's like, Ricky, you know, they have this, they uh, have, uh, what is it, the the gay to straight conversion therapy. I've always found it a little bizarre that they don't have, you know, straight to gay conversion therapy. Uh, <laughs> exactly. y- you would wonder. You would think. It's, it's if, true. If, if it's, it's so true. If it slides one way, it should slide the other. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just me. Um, in a couple of different interviews, Ricky, you, you were referenced as uh, the, the new alpha and, and the new masculine. Uh, what does that mean to you to, to, have that, to have that label affixed to you, sir? The new alpha is a, a song that I wrote just pretty recently. Um, and it's it's what I feel is actually the new the new alpha the new alpha man is not this butched out like gym guy lifting all these heavy weights and and you know knocking people out things like that the new alpha is is a guy a man who is completely well rounded feminine all of the energy is uh the feminine and masculine are completely balanced and he's not overly you know masculine and he's not overly feminine and it's a nice it's a perfect blend of the ener- of the energy so the the new the new alpha when you think about it gets support from the women and the men because the women aren't afraid of the, the guy for like you know what 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 lots of quote unquote alpha men do they abuse right they're they're overly they're overly testosterone too much testosterone not enough not enough to the balance there so the new alpha is just a kick ass guy who is completely okay with his sexuality with the gay straight by that those things don't even matter the new alpha can wear clothes and it has no gender 
Like the, he can wear a dress if he wants to. He can wear clothes have no gender, and colors have no gender. You know, if he wants to wear a certain color because it's expressing himself, like he wants to wear pink or whatever. I always find it fascinating that we actually put gender labels on colors. Even blue equals boy, pink equals girl, and that's always fascinating me. I'm like, how is that even possible? I mean, they're just colors, right? People want to look the at new uh, alpha. Uh, it, it, yeah. it, it's silly. I've got this lovely country pink checkered shirt that I love to wear with a bow tie. I'd like I'd like people to tell me that it's not masculine enough because I'm a big burly man. So people can go fuck themselves. They have a problem with that. Quite frankly, seriously, sir. right? It's 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 embarrassing. It's absurd, Ricky. We're gonna come right back. I'm gonna pick your brain. But now, off the new blue album, Ricky Rebel, Rebel the Darkness. Great song. Check it out on iTunes. Support your uh, support artists. You getting these texts? Question mark. Where are you? What are you doing? OMG, you are making me mad. You better text me back. I'm waiting outside your house. Relentless, aggressive texting is like sending an angry robot to deliver your message. When does the robot become dangerous? Let us know at that'snotcool.com. That'snotcool.com. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Stick this in your ear. The number one, the number one internet shock radio network. Shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. Welcome back, Luke Giovanni Show. Renegade Talk Radio, Renegade Nation, the most shocking, the most offensive radio network in America. We're here with Ricky Rebel, international recording star. You're listening to the Blue Album. This is Desire. I'm attracted to the game. I can't seem to stop this masquerade. that music brilliant brilliant stuff so ricky welcome back sir oh you're welcome you're welcome and welcome back thank you for being here sir just such a great conversation going on i want to we're going to switch gears you know we're talking about talking about your life talking about music in our pre-show meeting yesterday uh, you indicated to me that you have some conservative viewpoints some liberal viewpoints I mean, would, would that make you an independent? Uh, just, just as a baseline for Renegade Talk Radio uh, listeners, what political ideology do you uh, most identify with? You know, as, like I said when I was talking to you yesterday, I feel like I'm a, a blend of, of some conservative ideas and some liberal ideas. I, I probably would consider myself to be an independent because uh, I don't really, you know, like I said, I'm more in the gray. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So now we're going to get into the we're going to get into the question and answer session here for political topics. Uh, first, all right, right. <laughs> so you know you you've been following American politics, right, sir? You're, you're aware of what's going on. We're in the middle of the presidential race and all that good stuff. Yes. All right. So what do you think of Donald Trump? You like him? You not like him? You think he'd be good president? What do you think? 
Let me tell you something about Donald Trump. Please. I was a fan of Donald Trump in uh, the Apprentice era, Apprentice years, way before he was president. I would uh, do interviews and say that I want to be the gay Donald Trump. We have it on, on file. I mean, some people would listen to it and I could play it or whatever. And that was way before he wanted to be president. And the reason why I, I liked him so much is because the way he handled himself in the boardrooms, he was very professional. Uh, he didn't uh, bring women down in any way. He was very supportive of them, very supportive of the guys and helping them to raise money, very forthright, very, uh, you know, you're fired if they, if they mess up. It was just very business. Uh, no, not a lot of over, he wasn't overly emotional. Uh, he was there to work and there to get, get things done and, and upset when they didn't get things done. So in that way, I really, I looked up to him. I look up to him in that way, the way he, his acronym for business. Uh, obviously, he's been able to acquire mass amounts of wealth, uh, $10 billion. So there, that, that aspect of of Donald Trump, I admire very much. And even before all of this stuff had occurred, his business acumen. Um, but I do think that he has said some pretty in, uh, incredibly uh, outrageous things. And I don't disagree with some of the people for getting angry at some of the things that he's, he's said. I mean, so, uh, are well, what's most offensive to you? The way that he derides women, uh, the fact that he wants to round up over 10 million immigrants in America and, and literally deport them, and he says he'll do it, quote, in a nice in a nice way. I'm not sure how you'd be able to kick down the doors I know. of families' houses and do that. I don't understand how that's going to happen. I don't understand. That, that, that seems very uh, just, that, that's not right. The way you, that, that idea, I, I don't even think that's even possible, but... What I do think is possible is us not allowing uh, people, undocumented immigrants coming over here. And I think that we do need to secure the borders to secure our borders. I see. So, you're, um, so I think you're, that's a good idea. So you're a strict, think, you're a strict immigration man, Ricky. Is that what you're saying? What's that? Said so you're 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 a believer in uh, strict immigration law. Uh, you want to see the border secured? Are you a fan of uh, Trump's idea to build Absolutely. a wall? I, you know, that wall thing, again, I, I don't think that's going to necessarily work because I think people will find a way around the wall. They could dig I, a fucking but I do, tunnel. But I do think, huh? I said they could dig a fucking tunnel. I mean, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You're going to build a wall. Yeah. When you think about it now, it doesn't make sense. Is that what you said? Yeah, it's just just to me. It just seems like a big waste of time, waste of money uh, to to build mm-hmm. to build a wall. It, I mean, if you want to put Americans back to work, I think that's a great idea. Guess give give a bunch mm-hmm. of Americans twenty three dollar an hour jobs and build this wall for a few years just to give people money. I think that's a great idea. I don't think it's going to be helpful in securing our borders, though. But that that's yeah. No, please. And what ahead. I think about it too is like uh, is like the Great Wall of China. I mean, how well did that work out? For everybody, you know, it's a, I just, I, I think, I think he's, he wants to build a legacy of some sort. You know, he wants to have that as a, as a legacy. But at, at the, at the core idea, when you come down to the core idea, though, of uh, making sure that people come here legally, and uh, that that idea, I do agree with because it does put a, a strain on our economy. And I think one of the biggest things that I care about. Uh, is the economy period because I feel like happy people are people with nice bank accounts or you know where money is the biggest root of I think a lot of our our problems and that's the only reason why I like Donald Trump is because he is such a good businessman now there are lots of other people who have like gotten my attention and who I I actually like you know I like certain things that they're saying and certain things that what they're what they're for and against but um, yeah, rounding everybody up—that's that doesn't sound like a a good idea. That's just that, that's just to <laughs> placate. Like, it sounds like it reminds me of like yeah, like rounding up Jews and shit, and like right. It reminds yeah. me of the, the those times when it, I don't know. I I'm not really 
that doesn't sound right to me. Well, it's it's kind of silly. I mean, uh, Hispanic people are just now. Listen, they're the scapegoat for all the problems in America. Before it was black people. Before that, I'm 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 Italian. It was Italian people. Uh, back during uh, the great immigration period in America, where uh, we were just letting people in, you know, and, and now we just see other scapegoats. It, to me, it's to me, it's pretty embarrassing. Uh, Ricky, yeah, because it's not just it's not just Mexicans. It's it, there are all you know, lots of uh, people coming in here. Right, you know, there's Legally, the, the, so. the, there's all types of stuff. You know, when, yeah. when, we, when we get into illegal immigration, it's very interesting to me because if if you look at the numbers, like Alabama, for example, has. Some of the strictest immigration laws, they were kicking out uh, migrant workers, and therefore, when they kicked out uh, a couple hundred thousand migrant workers, uh, the, the, the produce that was growing there, that the migrant workers were supposed to harvest, they, it, it literally rotted on the vine. Uh, hundreds of thousands of wow. tons, yeah, hundreds of thousands of tons of uh, produce was unable to be harvested. You know, and American people want jobs, but they don't want those type of jobs. So there's, there's, this, there's this interesting medium, there's this interesting balance where, you know, the there should be rule of law in America, obviously. It's what we prattle on about on this program all the time. But at the same time, you know, these individuals, they, they serve a specific function in our society. And especially, Ricky, you know, when, when people talk about, you know, the economy and saving money, it's like undocumented workers who get paychecks, they're paying into the Social Security system. They're paying taxes. They have no way to recoup any of that money. That's extra money for the American people. I don't think that that's something that's considered all the time. When we talk about interesting, it, yeah, when we talk about illegal immigration, it's a very nuanced subject. Well, see, yeah, and see, like I didn't know that. Literally, I'm starting to get into politics, like literally, like since this election period, you know, like really getting into it, and a little bit, a little bit before that. So I don't really know, like all of the all of the facts, all of the details, and all that stuff. So take my ideas for what it's worth. Right. You know what I mean? But but like this is kind of like what I'm kind of feeling feeling it out because that's a very interesting point right well you know? well you've come to the right place for some uh, information about uh political systems in america so you know if 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 you like trump but you don't like what he's saying who who do you like for president this year who, who are you supporting who are you who are you gonna put uh who are you gonna put your money behind well, you know like here's the situation like if i say if i say one thing People are going to, first of all, when you talk about Trump, we're not even allowed to talk about him. It's so funny, especially growing up in in Hollywood. It's like a big no-no. A lot of the people I, I work with are, you know, are in Hollywood. It's a big no-no to like him. And, and it's funny because he's like really high in the polls. So it's like some people are, I think, hiding the fact that they support, support Trump. But I do think that what that a lot of what he said is, is like, obviously, there are obvious reasons why people are furious with the things that he said. Now, I do, I do like certain parts, like I, was, I discussed about the, the fact that he was a successful businessman, and really nobody can take that away from him, that he's done that. Now, there are other people, like I've, I've listened to the way uh, Carly Fiorina speaks. I like the way she speaks. She's very... Uh, she seems very intelligent. I also like Marco Rubio with some of the things that he said. Um, Hillary Clinton, you know, I, I don't know. There, there. I know that she's the one that I'm supposed to be for, right? It's like, we'll let me tell you something. We'll the, the whole thing with the email scandal and all of that stuff. That's where I kind of go, like, wait a minute. That was a. It's a very big, like. Uh, check mark on on the no no part <laughs> how do i put this no. right like that hillary clinton you know went through that whole email scandal so let's talk about that like what do you guys think about that i, I mean the, benghazi the, well you know we get into benghazi listen uh, and I'm no Hillary Clinton fan. You know, just just last week I went and filed a, uh, an ethical complaint against Hillary Clinton's uh, official Nevada campaign lawyer. But when, we, but when we talk about Benghazi, for example, listen, this was this was studied and this was uh, brooded over by Congress for years by by a completely partisan right wing Republican Congress. They they made all these uh, different assumptions about what happened. But here's here's the end, here's the facts at the end of the day. 
the Republican uh, congressional findings was that there was no wrongdoing by the administration. They had to come out and they had to admit this after saying that, you know, Obama and Clinton were wrong and that they had intentionally killed people and, you know, they disrespected the troops and they did not want to save Ambassador Stevens. And the guy who did that, his name was uh, Congressman Daryl Issa from California. He's one of the most, he's one of the richest members of Congress. Um, so when we talk about Benghazi, to me, it's kind of, it was a very tragic situation. Very tragic. But the Republicans investigated him. Yeah. And the Republicans said there was no wrongdoing. So Oh, got it. Got it. They did. They did. And so a lot what's of... The, so what is the deal then? Why are they going after it? Then? Well, the, the, like, the, the deal, sir, is that the American people are woefully misinformed. They, they heard about all these different hearings and all of uh, the talking heads on the, the mainstream media. Yeah, levying, mm-hmm. levying all these accusations. And then, you know, if, if you go back and look at it, it was, a, it was a big joke, Ricky, when the official report came out from ISA, when, they, when the Republicans determined that there was no wrongdoing by the administration. Fox News didn't even carry the story that day. So they, they, they completely uh, whitewashed it. They didn't talk about it. So that's why a lot of people are still confused about this, because it's in the interest of certain media outlets to mm-hmm. propagate misinformation, which is why this this network exists, our network, because well, we try and put real information out to people, not not half canned nonsense. So exactly right, exactly. So I mean, we could go on about Benghazi for for hours if you wanted to. I want to move on. I want to ask you, you know, because it seems like you got some uh, some some interesting positions. What do you think about uh, you know food stamps? Are are you, are you a fan of? Uh, uh, social services and, and people receiving help from the government. Do you think there should be limits? Uh, not limits. Uh, just what are your thoughts? It's a big debate going on in America right now. There is right. Um, well, like I said, I feel I feel uh, feel both ways about it. You know, I feel I feel bad that that people uh, cannot even afford to to eat and get their basic human. Uh, needs met right like to eat and to to survive i totally feel for those people and i feel like those people who genuinely need it um we should get it absolutely um but i don't like people that kind of abuse the system and there are people that abuse the system and i i was just recently meeting up with some guy who was like hey i got he had three phones he had one phone for, for uh, just regular people and he had another phone for sex hookups and then he had his Obama phone he's like oh my free I got my free Obama phone you know <laughs> and I feel like I'm dead serious and it's like okay I don't know if he I think he's abusing the system right. people like that people already have like two phones so and I think that there are a lot of people there are not a lot. I think there are people out there who are doing things like that, and we're as taxpayers having to pay for that. And that's what I disagree with. That's what I don't like. But, very, but very as well far put. as huh, it's a very, very well put. You know, and I think that's uh, most most of the time. If somebody has uh, two phones, I would assume they're a drug dealer, uh, let alone they have, they're a hookup artist with uh, their Obama phone. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> yeah, three of them. Jesus. So you know, one percent. Uh, you know, yeah. but I have to say, I, I, and I also want to talk about Obama in the sense that if if Obama weren't, we're talking about my liberal side. If Obama were in office, there's no way we would have the the ability for me to get married right. to another guy. No, exactly. there is no way. No. So, and in that regard, the, the conservatives are totally a majority of them, the ones who uh, feel like that, like Huckabee. Jesus Christ. He's an embarrassment. Kim Davis, he's an embarrassment, that guy. But that whole situation, there are a lot of conservatives who feel that way about the gays. So I can't completely be a total conservative when, you know, certain ideas like that. Right, uh, that's, that's are going down. That's <laughs> why, that's why you have to break from uh, typical political ideology because you can't uh, sit back and uh, you know abide these hor- horrible ideas. Ricky, we're coming. Yeah. To, we're coming to the end of the. We're coming to the end of the program, unfortunately, and I want to have you back because I got a lot more questions for you. Just such a just an interesting, nuanced man. Real quick, though, real quick, 
What do you think about the gun control debate in America? Do you think there should be gun restrictions? Do you think there should be registration? Do you think people should be able to own all the guns they want ad infinitum without limits? What do you What do you think, sir? This is what I think. I think that Donald Trump's got it wrong. He he thinks that you know we should uh, let guns be guns and more, you know protect protect the, the, all of that, and everyone should be able to have as many guns and yada yada. I disagree with that. I think that there are other countries in the world where their crime rate is, is a hell of a lot lower than ours. Like, we have, like, the highest crime rate of any of the, like, a lot of the countries. From what I've kind of researched, I might be wrong on that, completely wrong, but from what I'm seeing, when it comes to gun violence, we're at the very top. And there's something wrong with that, and there's got to be something that we could do, and I don't think it's let's keep it the way it has been going, you know, keep it the same, which is where everybody can get a you know, gun pretty easily. And, and, uh, I think that there need to be, uh, stricter laws against it. And then what they try to say, they try to say is, uh, you know, well, how are the, oh, well, black people are always going to be able to get guns. So how are you going to protect yourself? That's what they say. Right. So, and, uh, the liberals say, well, the guns, all these, all the guns, you know, that we just issue out like candy to people everywhere. That's why we have the highest gun. And I kind of like more on that side of that, because I don't think that, I think they're too accessible for people. If anything, I think there should be stricter laws on how to get a gun. You know, we have to go through more of a psychological background and see, you know, if you're mentally sane, capable, you know what I mean? There are just a lot of I think it should be harder to get a gun, for sure. Right, and that seems reasonable to me. You know, in America, quite frankly, it's it's easier to obtain a weapon than it is to vote in our country, and I think that's pretty sad. You know, people have to jump through all these yeah, different... very sad. Right, you gotta, ju- very sad. you gotta jump through all these hoops just so you can go and do your constitution, to do your duty, and yet uh, here people can just walk into Walmart with a $100 bill and walk out with a shotgun that's 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 wrong it's embarrassing you know ricky it is embarrassing it's completely embarrassing well you know thank you so much for being here uh i got (laughs) a lot more questions for you just just a brilliant guy thank you so much sir thank you much for your time um thank you for having me thank you for having me it was a pleasure oh it was was a sincere pleasure sir ricky rebel please go ahead i hope i didn't piss too many people off hey you know (laughs) hey you know what that's why this is renegade talk radio the most shocking, the most offensive radio net- network in America, where we don't sugarcoat shit. We're going to end the That's show right. right now. Ricky Rebel, international recording artist. This is Boys and Sometimes Girls off of the Blue Album. Check it out on iTunes. Yeah, you treat me like Britney. Yeah, you-